Live Above the Noise, the Choiceful Family Project. Welcome to Live Above the Noise, the Choiceful Family Project. I'm your host, Wayne Yurcha, and this podcast is a step-by-step action plan to help parents protect and prepare their children for the future. Thank you for joining us. This is episode number 15, and I'm here with my podcast partner, developmental and educational psychologist and kids media expert, Dr. Rob Ryer. And if this is the first episode you're listening to, we want to tell you that each episode builds upon the preceding ones. So to get the most out of the episodes, we suggest that you listen to them in order. Also, as a guide for you, episode one through eight provide important foundational information. And starting with episode nine, we begin to introduce specific tools and strategies designed to help you protect and prepare your children and family for the future, with the inner IQ being introduced in episode 12. And of course, the inner IQ is an essential framework that parents can use to help understand and guide their children's healthy development. Now today, we're joined by a terrific guest who's going to give us her valuable insights about some of the things that are directly related to what we've been talking about in regard to the inner IQ. And that guest is parenting expert Audrey Munke, who is the host of the Sunshine Parenting Podcast and the author of a wonderful new book called Happy Campers. And I think the best way to describe the book and Audrey's work is to read a short passage from the book's inside cover. Our screen-obsessed competitive society makes it harder than ever to raise happy, thriving kids. But there are tried-and-true methods that can help. Instead of rearing a generation of children who are overwhelmed, anxious, depressed, and who struggle to become independent, responsible adults, parents can create a culture that promotes the growth of important character traits and the social skills kids need for meaningful, successful lives. So, Audrey, we are anxious to hear all about this. Welcome to Live Above the Noise. It's great to have you with us. Well, thank you so much for having me. I've been looking forward to chatting with you both. So we've been, as I said in the introduction, we've looked at your podcast. We've really enjoyed the podcast. And we've also read your book, uh, Happy Campers, which is just a wonderful book, as I mentioned. And uh, it has so many gems of wisdom in it. I think it's really so interesting because you're taking kids, you're taking this wisdom that you're able to provide for us from a totally different aspect than most people are able to see their children from. You know, they're in this situation where they're out of their own daily environment. And I think that's just so great in terms of being able to see who these kids really are and offer us insights in that regard. And in your book, you have nine different camp secrets that go through various things that you've learned about kids over your many, many years in this industry. But what we wanted to do today is focus on a couple of those areas that are kind of tied into our inner IQ aspects that listeners of the podcast know well, social skills. And the other one is something I really find interesting, which is camp secret number five. It's titled grit is grown outside the comfort zone. So if we could kind of be working with the social skills and grit, that would be great today, if that's all right with you. Sounds wonderful. I'd love to chat about both of those secrets. So starting with social skills, what can you tell us? So a few years ago, I went back to school to get my master's in psychology, and I wanted to research about children and their well-being. And I really went in thinking I wanted to focus on 
how when kids are unplugged, because we don't allow screens at my camp, uh, that that's really good for their well-being. But as I delved into kind of the, the literature research before my own research, it really rose to the top that what's most important for these kids is their relationship skills. And that that is probably the element about summer camp that is most contributing to their well-being is just the friendships they're developing and the skills they're building in learning how to really develop close face-to-face relationships. So I ended up studying all about just what are the different social skills kids need and which are the most important ones and which are the deficits that really create problems for kids in connecting with others. And then I've been able to, um, I'm in a great environment to be able to practice teaching these skills to kids while they're at camp and then hearing from them afterwards about the impact of what those, those new skills are having in their life outside of camp. This is something that every parent deals with. It's kind of interesting because I think it was just yesterday, I read an article that was really stunning to me. And now this was about millennials, but it said that 30% of millennials say that they feel lonely. And it says further, 22% of millennials in the poll said they had zero friends. 27% said that they had no close friends. 30% they had no best friends, and 25% say that they had no acquaintances. So, I mean, that's just stunning. I mean, this is for uh, millennials who, at this time in their life, you would think they would have the greatest number of friends and relationships and, and everything. And so, when we're talking about kids growing up in the next number of years, that whole idea about relationships that you're talking about is massively important in terms of their happiness and, and future success, isn't it? Absolutely. And I actually read that same article. Uh, it got forwarded to me by about three different people. <laughs> so, um, But it's, it is really true. I think there's a lot of talk right now that loneliness is the epidemic of our era, that it's likely the cause of many health issues and early deaths. Uh, it's very tragic that that's what we're facing. But um, I don't know if you're familiar with um, The Village Effect, Susan Pinker's book and her TED Talk. But she talks about her own research and how what has risen to the top as the best predictor of longevity is not, you know, whether you don't smoke or your exercise or your weight, but it's your social Mm -hmm. connections and your relationships are the top two predictors. So they predict better than any of the factors that we really tend to focus on more. So yes, I agree. It is it's really the most important thing to think about, not just for our kids, but for at every age of life. When you think about elderly people, they also have a lot of loneliness because of cultural things and those things. So I just think learning social skills is one tool to learn to connect better with others, which leads to the relationships that we need to thrive. Audrey, do you notice when the kids come to camp, that they're deficient in those skills entering the camp experience? Because I, I know it, uh, when I was teaching even at college, uh, university level, uh, the students were telling me that they're good on their devices, but they're terrible in person. I don't see it as much. I mean, obviously, in any new setting, some kids are more shy, especially if it's their first time. But what I do see at camp is remarkable and quick growth in social skills. Mm -hmm. And it's funny, it kind of relates to the other secret we were going to talk about, which is the grit. 
So in any new social situation, there's discomfort. And whether you're an adult or a child, if you're walking into a new place and you don't know other people, there's a level of discomfort. And that's natural in any social setting. And the same is true of camp. The difference at camp is we are fully prepared and equipped to make meeting new people and getting acclimated the most important thing that happens right from the beginning. And so even kids whose parents have told us they struggle with making friends or they're pretty shy, takes them a long time to warm up, they'll be telling me two or three days into camp that they have eight new best friends in their cabin. So it's kind of a, it's hard to explain how exponentially quick friendships develop at camp, but I think there's a variety of factors. One is the, the thing that you just discussed, without their screens to kind of be behind, everyone is forced to do more face-to-face interactions. Mm. A lot of these kids come to camp and they don't even have siblings at home that they have had to practice all these like living together skills on. And so we put this group of kids together in a big tent with supervision from adults who've been trained to help coach them on some of the basic skills that we need to interact positively with each other. And we really normalize the coaching of these skills by um, like just this week, I think it was two days ago, I taught an assembly to all the kids at camp about the importance of when you're getting to know someone, asking questions and listening intently to the answers and asking follow-up questions. And so I think for a lot of people, we don't think to teach our kids something as simple as the art of asking good questions. And um, so we had a whole assembly where we talked about the importance of questions. And then we had the kids in their own groups come up with three good questions to ask a friend who you've already known for a little while, but you want to get to know better. And then we took all those questions that all the different groups came up with and we put them on index cards on a ring and we put them on every table on the dining hall. And so now for, this was the beginning of a two-week session, for the rest of these two weeks, if the kids are ever kind of at the table and not sure what's what to say, they can just pick up the ring and ask one of the questions. And sometimes they're silly things and sometimes they're, you know, what's your perfect day or it can be anything, but it's such a great tool. And then these kids go home having practiced and learned the importance of asking questions and listening. What a great idea. That's beautiful. Yeah, really, really important. Even even in uh, in my experience in the world of business, uh, that doesn't happen either as much as it could. Because I think one of the best possible ways to be working with other people at an adult level is instead of being the authority all the time is to be asking the right questions. What are the right questions to open up the conversation and communication? So that's fantastic that you've hit on that dimension especially as a tool and technique. That's beautiful. Do you get a follow-up? As you say, you, you follow the uh, the campers a little bit. What do parents say You know, when they've had a chance to see their kids uh, after the camp? Does this stay with the kids? Is this something they then start to adopt because they are successful doing it? The thing I hear the most from parents is they notice increased confidence in their kids at the end of camp. So that kind of translates to all areas. They will say that they're, you know, better at talking to other people, more comfortable around adults, uh, just in general, 
more confident, more mature, more independent than they were before they went to camp. But who I really love talking to the most are the kids themselves. And just yesterday, I had the chance to talk to two of our junior counselors. So these are, I think they're both about 16 or 17. And one of them had been at camp for six years and one for seven years. So these kids started when they were like eight or nine. Now they're teenagers. This is their final year kind of in our program. And both of them, when I asked, you know, what did you gain or what what was your growth from coming to camp over all these years? Both of them mentioned better ease, like they feel so much more comfortable socially Mm -hmm. with other kids, both, you know, not just inside of camp, but they've taken those skills outside of camp. One of them specifically mentioned really feeling comfortable introducing herself to new people. And that's a skill that we cover at camp, just like we cover the question asking, and we make it very, again, normalized to talk about the process of when you're meeting someone new, you smile, you make eye contact, you shake their hand or give them a fist bump, you tell them who you are, you ask them their name, you ask them a few questions, you introduce them to someone else. So we've been teaching these skills for so long that our campers feel very comfortable practicing them at camp because they know that everyone else is as well. And here are these older kids telling me these skills that they've learned at camp they're using outside of camp. Mm, Fantastic. So would you say that if you have a child that doesn't go to camp, you know, as many people are not, for one reason or another, their kids don't go to camp or aren't able to go to camp, and you're a parent with a child and you want to convey some of these or help prepare them with some of these skills, is this something that you think that parents should find a way to do as well on their own. Do you have any advice in that regard? Oh my gosh, definitely. In fact, camp secret number nine is coach kids to better friendships. When I give talks to parents, one of the things I say is that your role in terms of being like your child's relationship coach is probably, oh, it is far more important than you know when you help coach an athletic team or help them with their math. Those relational skills that you're modeling and teaching and coaching your child on at home are so vital to their future thriving. So I actually go into pretty good detail of just simple things that you can do as a whole family because, again, you don't want to make anyone feel bad just because they haven't yet learned a skill. Some of these things come more naturally to some kids and some adults, and some do not. And we want to make sure that we treat social skills the same way we would treat learning to read or learning to play soccer. It's a growth mindset in terms of social skills. It's being able to say, hey, you know what? I noticed that you know, you're saying that you're having trouble making friends at school. Have you tried you know, smiling, making eye contact. Have you tried inviting someone to to play with you on the swings? You know, so mm-hmm. instead of getting frustrated for kids' deficits, just gently coaching them. And even the questions, that's something you could do at the dinner table with your family is just, hey, let's brainstorm fun questions that we can ask each other and ask our friends. How do parents perceive the hierarchy of skills from your perspective that are important to them? for empowering their child? And where do they place social skills in that hierarchy as opposed to maybe academic skills? Do they think it's like a lesser kind of necessity than the academics? Well, here's the interesting thing. And I talk about this research in my book. They, um, there was a study out of Harvard of 10,000 high schoolers. And the question they asked these high schoolers was, what do your parents value more? Your kindness and ability to contribute to the community or your grades and academic achievements. Mm. 
And 80% of the kids said that their grades and academic achievements were more important to their parents. Wow. But the parents, it was almost a flip-flop. So there was a disconnect. If you ask a parent, every parent will say, and I think it is what they really kind of deep down want, they'll say, well, I want my child to be a functioning, happy adult human. I want them to get along with people. I want them to be kind. We'll think that and say that. But then in the way we live our lives and spend our time, our kids sometimes get another message, which is one that boy, grades trump everything. And you can see this in, you know, all the different cheating scandals and all of the things that are going on. You know, when you look at where some parents are putting their time, energy, money, it's more towards those other things, not those inner qualities and social skills. So I think most of us would say, oh, I want my child to be a great friend and a great husband or wife or a great parent. But then what we actually do doesn't always live that out. Yeah. You know, one of the things that we're writing about, Wayne and I have an article that we're working on right now. I'm calling it the preparation paradox or the preparation problem. Based on what we're learning about what's going on in schools and the fact that schools have bought into the digital solution. So the paradox is that as long as 80% of what kids are hearing about their parents' preferences for grades is still on the front burner for parents, and yet the way they're, they're doing that is enrolling kids in schools that have bought into technology as the solution for their grades, the paradox is that what it does is knock out everything that it shouldn't be knocking out which is the social dimension and the self-reflective skills based on the schools having bought into tech as a solution. So, and this is something majority of parents don't see at all, that your preparation as a parent is being skewed toward a whole different dimension of what it is to be prepared that has nothing to do with real preparation in the future or the major kinds of skills that are necessary. And that's a blind spot, huge blind spot for parents. Yeah, and I'm sure you've seen the research on the Silicon Valley people who have invented all of these addictive technologies send their kids to Waldorf school with no technology. And I also have read, and I believe this, and of course, I'm of a different generation than the kids, but that when you read on actual paper as opposed to on a screen, you absorb the knowledge better. Mm -hmm. When you write with a pen, there's a different brain process than typing. There's so many things that, you know, of course, they're going to keep coming out. But I'm convinced that it would be better to just have real books and real paper for as long as possible. I agree. I agree. I totally agree with that. And I know my wife, who's a special ed teacher, has mentioned some of those very same things to me. Um, What you said is interesting because it's very clear that parents have to be proactive in terms of helping children learn these skills. They can't just think that they're going to learn them out in the school or out with friends, etc. You know, from what you're saying, the fact that you actually have a program that helps kids do these things, wouldn't that be fantastic to have that in schools? But short of that, parents clearly have to take the initiative and say, okay, where are these deficits and how can I help my kids become better at being people as opposed to just better academically or better in some other specific thing or better at a a sport or whatever, which is all great. 
But that whole idea of being a human being that can communicate is something parents have to do directly, seems to be what you're saying. Yeah. And one of the skills we talk about at camp, and obviously kids get into conflicts and disagree about things, but learning how to work through conflicts is a social skill. And you need to learn how to listen to the other person and try to understand from their perspective. And then they listen to your perspective. And then you either come to some kind of compromise or you agree that, you know, it doesn't impact your friendship, but you don't agree on this topic, whatever it may be. But it's really sad that a lot of adults in their discourse, even when you look at just comments on news posts, the vitriol is just awful. And if we want to raise kind people, we need to raise kids who know how to also deal with disagreements. And when adults don't model that, it's really sad for kids. So Audrey, in the book, you have something called the ABC method, and that's acceptance plus belonging equals connection. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So probably the thing that most made me want to write this book and share this information with parents is having so many years watched kids really be very, very sad when they're leaving camp. Mm -hmm. And, you know, at first it's like, wow, isn't that great that these kids love camp so much that they're just kind of heartbroken to say goodbye to their friends and their counselors and go home. But as time went on, I would talk to these kids and they say things like, I just feel like I can be myself here. I feel like I belong here. I feel like people don't judge me here. So this same language kept coming up from campers and from our staff. And I started thinking, what is it that that is making kids feel this here? And why aren't they feeling that as much in other places? And it really comes down to a, you know, kind of a simple thing. One is, you know, we need to love the kid that's in front of us, that is our kid. And I think as parents, we have so many feelings wrapped up in our kids. You know, we have dreams and hopes for them. We often have kind of our own um, displaced dreams that didn't work out for us that we want to be true for them. And sometimes it's hard. We think we're doing what's best for our kids, but what we're really trying to do is like, help our kid turn out better than we did. Mm. <laughs> and um, and I think our kids, you know, they really sense that when we're wanting them to be more like someone else or someone who they are not. And that, of course, then leads to them not feeling good about themselves and not really reaching their own potential and figuring out their own strengths. So just that basic acceptance piece is so important. And kids are all very different. Every person is different. And what they need is a champion who sees them, sees what's so great and unique and special about them, and just accepts them just the way they are. And so that's something that we see at camp all the time. We see the kids doing it with each other. That's what the counselors are trained to do is to look for the good in each kid and spot those things. And then the belonging piece, again, that comes from a lot of different things, but it's just knowing that you are part of this group, like in a family, this sense of belonging, just knowing that the people in that family, even your sibling who you might get in fights with is not going to betray your secrets or do anything that's going to harm you. You feel safe and you feel the sense of belonging and you feel like you're an important part of the family of the group. And I think sometimes, maybe even especially in more affluent families, 
the kids feel very untethered because they are not asked to do much. And so they begin to lack this sense of purpose. And at camp, everybody has a job. You know, we're all helping out. We take turns setting the table and clearing things off. We all do cabin cleanup together. We take turns being buddies for each other when you need to walk somewhere. So it's just this constant sense of we're all needed here. We're all important. We all belong. And it's really those things that feeling accepted and feeling like I'm a part of this. I'm important here. I belong lead to this feeling of connection that I think when you talk about those lonely kids, many people don't have that. And it's very sad. When you think about a generation that, you know, a third of them feel kind of untethered and a lack of connection, that is very sad. And so I think there's simple things that families can do just to make sure that at least home is this really safe place where kids are like, these are my people. This is my place. I'm fine here. I can just relax and be myself. And you say something in the book that I just find, you know, so valuable. And that is that Closer connection comes from intentional time spent together. That really struck me as being so pertinent to today. That whole idea about being intentional. And, uh, you know, when we talk about noise, our podcast is, of course, Live Above the Noise, which is distraction, distortion, disruption, and overload. All of those things disrupt our ability to actually ever be intentional about anything, really. Yes, it's and it's... Kind of like being a salmon swimming upstream, to be honest, because if you do what everyone else is doing with your family, you may be together a lot in the car or in your house, but are you really with each other? You know, like emotionally, you might be physically present, but not emotionally there because of the distraction. Mm -hmm. So if you want to get this great feeling of connection and belonging, you do have to be very intentional and not really do things the way a lot of other people are doing them. And I, I think the questioning idea at the dinner table is highly intentional building the child's own independent story through questions, giving him his particular story based on who he is. That's beautiful. Uh, moving on to your, to your part about grit is growing outside the comfort zone. You have a diagram, it looks like a bullseye, and on it you have the three rings of it, and they are comfort zone, growth zone, and blackout zone. Can you talk about that a little bit and about growing this grit, which I think is something that Grit, resilience, this is something that I think a lot of parents are concerned about. And, and also, when you do talk about that, Audrey, the shift that's taking place among parents, I know in that chapter, you mentioned the helicopter parenting and where it is right now with regard to anything you've seen in terms of parents and grit. Well, so this is, again, having grown up in a different era where there were coaches that really, they're the yellers and the yeah. really, the kind of heavy, um, heavy into kind of forcing you outside your comfort zone and not being friendly about it to the swing, the whole other direction where adults kind of overreact if a child is slightly uncomfortable. So we need to swing back to the middle somewhere at camp. What we've really learned is that kids are often fearful about trying new things, just like adults are. There's so many fears. You're scared of being embarrassed. You're scared you won't be good at it. Just all these different things. So it's natural to feel that level, a little bit of stress when you're pushing yourself. And I think what's happened is now people are equating any little bit of an anxiety as bad. And 
as you know, anything that you do that's new, like public speaking or any new sport that you try, it's a little scary at first. And if you don't kind of push through that discomfort, you don't get to try all these cool new things and these new opportunities. And I think parents sometimes are so concerned about keeping their child so comfortable and in comfort that they unfortunately create a child who lacks resilience and the ability to just do normal, typical things. Um, For the most part, parents who are brave enough to send their kids to camp, uh, a sleepaway camp, you know, they have a, a little bit thicker skin and are able to really understand when we communicate with them that this may be uncomfortable. So we really talk to both the kids and the parents and we say, listen, it's normal to miss home. You know, it is not something to worry about. We're going to make sure that the fun you're having outweighs those sad feelings. And here's all these things you can try if you're missing home. So we acknowledge to the kids and validate that it's normal to feel uncomfortable when you're away from home. And it's amazing to see, again, that's why the kids grow their confidence because they push themselves. For some of them, it is extremely uncomfortable for a few days, but they grow because of it. And so the blackout zone, you kind of know those kids where, gosh, like the littlest thing, you know, they tend to be more anxious Mm -hmm. kids. It's really hard for them to get outside their comfort zone. So we need to ease them. You know, we need to kind of expand that growth zone slowly. And I really, really like all of uh, Dan Siegel and Tina Payne Bryson's work and their explanation of how you need to be in what they call the green zone, which I, you know, is kind of the growth zone, which is, To learn something, you need to be able to listen and take it in. So sometimes our kids aren't ready for something, and that's fine. If you see them just falling apart, you need to step back. It's too much for them at the moment. But when they're calm again, to have a conversation and say, so what would be a comfortable way to push yourself and get yourself just a little bit uncomfortable just to try this? Uh, We need to help our kids do that because otherwise we really we create a problem for them if the tiniest setback just throws them, you know, they just, they can't come back from it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And once again, I guess this is something that if uh, parents aren't sending their kids to camp or can't send their kids to camp for some reason, that they need to uh, find a way to address just in their own family. When they're at camp, they're in this special circumstance. But do you have any advice for parents outside of that as to how they can promote this whole idea of helping your kids grow more grit? Absolutely. Well, one simple thing is letting them do things alone sometimes. Um, I really think, and I see this with our campers, is that when parents aren't there, kids Mm. are more courageous for the most part. You know how you kind of like, you know, it's easy to hide behind your parents. So for example, at camp drop-off, when parents will come and drop their kids off, their child will be kind of standing, you know, a step or two behind the parent, sort of letting the parent speak for them because it's easier. Once the parent leaves and the kid is there on their own, they come out of their shell more, they talk more. So part of it, and sometimes I really do think it doesn't have to be camp, but sometimes it can be a neighbor or friend helping your child try something new. So if if it's too scary for you, for example, to take your kid swimming for the first time, just as an example, or whatever it might be, if you have a trusted friend or an instructor or something who will take your child and help them learn that new skill, they may be more apt to try it than if you're right there. So letting them do it alone is one. The other thing is I really think talking to our kids about 
just taking baby steps. So there's something that you want to do eventually, you know, whether it's going on a bike ride, you know, the three miles to school. Well, you could start with the bike ride around the block, Mm -hmm. you know, that's the baby step. So I think just that concept of it doesn't have to be so uncomfortable that it's really scary for the parent or the child. It can be little steps towards a bigger goal eventually. And then I think really talking to our kids about our own kind of goals, things that we've had to work through. I think sometimes kids look at parents and think that we've got it all together and we always knew how to do all these things. (laughs) And when our kids can see us setting a goal and struggling towards it, it's really valuable. So I really like the idea of as a family coming up with things, either something we all want to try to do together, you know, learning something new or doing something, or each of us coming up with our own goal for the year with like baby steps towards accomplishing that and sharing that. Because again, modeling is so much more powerful than what we tell our kids. So if they see us showing grit, they're more likely to, to try to try new things as well. That's tremendous. What do you think, Audrey, about the rate of change in society and the relationship between how fast things are changing? What would you think would be happening in the future with parents if the speed of change continues as it is currently? And how would the camp experience, for example, address that? Well, I think many of the the traits that our kids need in order to be successful in this ever-changing world are things that we practice at camp and things that parents need to value more. So this resilience that we just talked about, flexibility, being able to kind of pivot when something isn't working, that's going to be really important for our kids. Creativity and being able to think deeply about problems for problem-solving um, I don't know if you're familiar with Cal Newport, um, his book, Deep Work, makes a compelling case that what is going to make a difference for people is the ability to think deeply because so few people can. I mean, this relates to your whole theme. Everyone is so distracted, kids and adults alike, that the ability to, for example, spend a couple hours thinking through, making notes, kind of trying to work through a problem is going to be an extremely valuable trait, regardless of what the problem is. So I think it's better as parents to think more globally about these skills our kids need and how can we encourage the development of those skills rather than uh, they don't need to memorize information as much anymore. I'm sure, I hope our education system revamps to accommodate what kids really need because we don't need to cram information into kids' heads. We need them to start learning to use their own brains to creatively problem solve, to respond to different personalities. There's so much that's going to be valuable that's just in those interpersonal traits more so than in like specific knowledge, since we can all Google whatever we need to know immediately. Well, of course, this is all something that we deal with, with uh, the inner IQ. And um, as our listeners know, inner IQ stands for inner integral qualities. So, you know, what are the nine inner integral qualities that children are going to need in the future that's going to prepare them for the future? So we'd go into that episode by episode. But you've given us so many great things. Is there anything else, um, just as a final thought, anything else that you want to share that we haven't covered here? I guess just I want to give encouragement to parents. I think sometimes it's overwhelming all the information that's being, you know, put at us, do this, don't do that. 
really, if there's only one thing that you focus on, it just needs to be that connection and relationship with your kids. And I really do believe everything else will fall into place. So you don't need to have your family look like or act like everybody else. But I do think that looking at your child, loving your kid, focusing on them, spending time as a family and not getting swept up in what everyone else is doing is really important. And that's those are going to be the kids that are going to be successful in the future. And that is a great takeaway to end this episode. So Audrey, thank you so much for joining us. We've we really enjoyed the conversation. And we want to encourage everyone to listen to Audrey's podcast, Sunshine Parenting, which you can find on many podcast providers, and to get Audrey's excellent new book, Happy Campers, which, as we've talked about today, goes beyond camping and into the skills that today's children are absolutely going to need to be happy and successful in the future. Now, in our next episode, Adrian Principe, founder of Turning Life On, will be joining us again as we continue our overview of the inner IQ. And we're going to talk about a critical dimension of the inner IQ, me communication. And just a reminder that you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, etc. So until our next episode, thank you for listening and live above the noise. Hello, everyone. If you'd like to get our email update, about new episodes, tips and tools, and all the latest information, please sign up for our Noise Watch update on our liveabovethenoise.com website.